0: the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast with Dan Claskins, James Adams. It's our 2022 NFC North Fantasy Preview Season 2, Episode 35, coming at you here on June the 19th. And happy Father's Day to everyone out there listening that is a dad. And certainly, uh, if you haven't wished your dad a happy Father's Day, be sure to do so now if you still can. It's a great thing. And uh, we're really appreciating all of uh, you for listening, father or not. Uh, We love our loyal subscribers here, and you can always subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, InsiderFootball.com, anytime. And today, we're going to continue our divisional previews with a look at the NFC North, talking some Bears, some Lions, some Packers, and some Vikings. And James, uh, you know, we were talking about it before we started here, Father's Day. It's always a, a great time to reflect on some famous father-son duos and when you look at father-son football duos especially with fantasy friendliness i mean the first names that came to mind were the mannings and i mean how cool was it to be archie manning with the sons he's got <laughs> but uh any other ones any other ones come to mind for you fantasy football friendly father-son combos
1: well dan you wouldn't have fantasy football stats of Warren for offensive linemen so how about the greatest offensive lineman that wasn't Anthony Munoz, Bruce Matthews, and his son Jake, two great offensive linemen. Uh, I know that's not what you wanted me to answer, but you also knew that's what I. Well, was well, going
0: if you're to gonna say. if you're gonna talk about Bruce Matthews and sons, you got to throw in Clay. Or, uh,
1: certainly. Yeah, the, uh, the the other ones, Clay Senior, Clay Junior, absolutely one of the. I mean, maybe the best football family, the Mannings. Certainly, with an argument against it, but. Um, that's my well, you're first talking long- about
0: Bruce Matthews though. Uh, the offensive line and the connection uh, with uh, his son played, was his drafted son by the Jake, Falcons. His son Jake is, but there, wasn't there another son that played for the Titans? He's not in the league anymore. I can't remember his name for my life.
1: But mm, you're gonna give hey, me Kevin, in mate, I don't Is it Kevin
0: Kevin Matthews? I don't know. I'm reaching, but uh, I'm yes, there was two. 100. There was another one. It just he's still not currently in the league, okay. the older son, I believe, but uh, okay. I came up with the Greasys, of course, Bob Greasy, the Hall of Fame quarterback of the Dolphins, and his son Brian, who uh is, you know, we've known as more from his broadcasting career and a prolific college football career, but there was a player that played for five teams, so that's interesting. And then of course Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Uh I James, I was old enough to actually have Ed McCaffrey on some fantasy squads.
1: Uh, so, same here. Same here. I mean and, uh <laughs> like when you said that one, I was like First of all, I'm an idiot that I didn't think of that one. And second of all, I'm like, boy, you want to talk about feeling old.
0: Yeah, so those are some of the father-son duos, always fun. But uh, today we're here to talk about the NFC North, and uh, we're going to do that just in a minute. Uh, Definitely want to get dialed in for some fantasy football topics. We talked about how to keep up with the podcast. You can also catch James and I back on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio once July kicks up, we'll be back in weekend mornings there getting you ready. We're always getting you ready to win with our fantastic Draft Advisor coming later this summer with all the tools to win over at InsiderFootball.com. All right, James, let's dive into these storylines here, what's going on uh, with each of these teams. And like we'll do each one of these divisions, we'll start with the reigning champs. And in this case, it's the Green Bay Packers, 13-5 a year ago, another deep playoff run coming up just short. Uh, in the you know earlier rounds of the playoffs. So we saw a great regular season, not as great postseason performance there by Aaron Rodgers. And as we enter this season, the biggest question mark for Rodgers is who the heck he throwing the football to? The Packers traded Devontae Adams. They did little to address the position in free agency or the draft. So here we go once again, James, it's a big head scratcher. The biggest offseason addition at receiver was
1: Sammy freaking Watkins. Hey, now, Talk nice about Sammy Watkins. He was one of my – he was my wide receiver, too, on my my 2015 KFFSC championship team. So there's a soft spot in my heart for him. That was also seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm – like, here's the thing. I see – look, Rogers seems to only gravitor- gravitate to veterans, um, particularly in the receiving game, guys he can trust. Can Watkins be a guy he can trust? Because much like we talked about last week when we talked about the Chiefs and Juju, that he has this immense window of of, of um, upside. I think Sammy Watkins has that too. Um, and it was actually with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. We saw him bust out like for one game, and maybe he has that upside. I'm interested in him late in draft where he's being drafted, but I don't know who the number one is for Rodgers. I don't know if Rodgers knows who it is right now.
0: The question is is without a true number 1 is Aaron Rodgers still a
1: QB1 for fantasy owners? Yes. He might not be QB1, he might be QB10, but yes, Aaron Rodgers just gets the job done. I will not I will not discount him. Um no, he's he's a QB1 for me, yes.
0: I'm definitely down on him a little bit. I mean his uh his he's QB13 right now in the latest Best Ball 10 data looking at all June drafts and that's pretty much where he's going back in QB1. I mean, I've got a little bit of exposure to him already. Uh, not a guy I'm necessarily targeting, but I do agree with your assessment. It's like, all right, this is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter who he throws the football to, is part of my thought. But then, yeah, it does because Devontae Adams without him there's just no real threat in this offense, at least from a passing game perspective. It's not even like they got a stud tight end, right? I mean, it's literally, it's literally Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson. I mean, I'm going through the depth chart right now, dude. Robert Tanyan, he's dinged up. So that is a problem for me. And yeah, I I definitely don't think he's a guy I'm putting in my top 10 this year, but he is right on the edge of it, James and a player that uh, I might just easily pass over on let others take for, for, but I won't discredit that he doesn't have something left in the tank. Obviously he signed the big deal. So it does appear that he will finish his career as a Packer, which was in doubt when we you know, left, left the air last season. So, Think that feels good, Jordan Love. I'm not real sure what his future is in Green Bay, but uh, he looks like one more year at least. But I don't know. I'm looking at this Packers offense and these receivers. None of them are, are guys that are being drafted in the, you know the first half of fantasy drafts. Watson, obviously being the rookie, is interesting. I think Lazard is the natural assumption here, but I guess I guess Watkins is as good as any to take a flyer on, given the fact how far down in the draft he's going. But Robert Tanya's interesting because two years ago, he had all those touchdowns and he's battled injury. Do you think he can get back to maybe what we saw in 2021, where he was that touchdown go-to guy? And is he a player in Adam's absence? Does, you know, become at least a red zone option here to, to put him back on the fantasy tight end radar a little bit more?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he has to be a consideration. He's not in my top 12 tight ends or anything mm-hmm. like that. He's not going to well, be Well, he tore his league. ACL
0: in week eight. So that's yeah. why I think he's falling as far as he had. But let's just assume he gets a clean bill of health. I mean, is this a guy that could become a top 12 tight end potentially?
1: I think so. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Devontae Adams was like a late scratch or something? Thursday night football. I think it was 2019 in October because I was on vacation watching this game. So it was then. And Rodgers threw like every pass but one or two to running backs and tight ends. And they smoked the Lions in a shootout. I mean, he, he was good in that game. They didn't smoke him in a shootout, but they, they beat him in a shootout. Well, what if that just happens all year long? What if the, the best receivers are Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and Robert Tunyon? I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility this year. I also think, as we talk about this receiving crew... Um, I also think – I know you asked me about Tanya here. Do do I think he could be there totally healthy? He can be, yes, because he's got a great quarterback throwing in the football. I mean, he can stick the ball exactly where he wants it. He can, Rodgers. So, yeah, I think so, but he's going to have to score a ton of touchdowns.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you started to get to the point I was transitioning to, which is that backfield. And if you ask me what the Packers are, I think they're becoming more of a run-first football team that just happens to have a Hall of Fame quarterback still. Not to say Rodgers still won't take over games, but I think if they have it their way and they do what they want, they want both uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones to be big forces here in 2022.
1: I think so, too. Let Aaron Rodgers win games when he has to, but don't make him win games in the first quarter. Um, And oh, by the way, don't be shocked with this new deal with Rodgers. I mean, this is just me being me, but don't be shocked if Jordan Love doesn't get traded. And they get a receiver in return. I don't know. Seattle needs a quarterback. What about DK Metcalf or? Yeah, but I think that
0: would have already come at this point. I mean, I would too. We're mid June, so. I don't know if that's going to help for this year, but I hear you. I mean, anything's happened. I mean, they could still sign Will Fuller if he decides he wants to play football. I mean, that's could a great be,
1: point. A couple of weeks ago, by the way, we were doing podcasts with new faces, new places, and I wanted to throw him out there because I here's, because he doesn't have a place yet. But that's but a good that's point. the problem.
0: He hasn't even been rumored to go anywhere. I'm not even sure. That's true. He wants to play football. And I know that was a popular thing once they traded Adams. It's like, oh, Will Fuller, Will Fuller. I don't know. It just seems like this team outside of having Adams there has has made this long term decision not to invest in wide receiver, which is opposite of the rest of the NFL where it doesn't invest in running backs. They're going it's like the Packers are the dude in your fantasy draft that's zigging while everybody else is zagging, but they're doing it in real life.
1: Yeah, and it works in a regular season. Gets him
0: to win the A- NFC North. It just doesn't help when you got to play high-profile offenses like the Bucks and the Rams come playoff time. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I don't know. I do like Rodgers. Uh, you know, in, as, in terms of his Hall of Fame caliber resume, uh, it seemingly. The longer and longer he plays it, it's getting easier to root against him as well for some reason. <laughs>
1: and just, I agree.
0: He's just a guy that it's like I don't, don't like rooting for. I mean, I don't like, like root against him, but I don't know. Uh, I do think in terms of those running backs, taking a little bit of a deeper dive on how to approach them in fantasy. I mean, once again, referring to our trusty ADP, Jones is RB14 in June drafts. Dylan is RB25. These are in best ball 10s. I think the gap closes a little bit for me in, in half point PPR and non PPR formats, there a little bit, but I do think that's about right, James, on the way I view these guys. And, you know, across all my best balls, I'm going to have a little bit of uh, ownership percentage on both players, but uh, not overexposure on either.
1: I want them both. I don't necessarily want them both on the same team, though. Um, like J- Dylan's going too high to handicap him. I'm not a uh, uh, handcuff him. Excuse me, handicap him. Handcuff him. Uh, and I don't know that, um, you know, you, I don't know that you're going to want to play them both in a given week, even though I think you'd play both of them every week. Um, but I, I like both of them. I think, uh, look, there's no receivers. Rogers will find the, find a way to make this work. I like both of them.
0: Let's move along to the next team up here in the division. And that will be the Minnesota Vikings and, Coming off a disappointing 8-9 and nine campaign a year ago led to the firing of Mike Zimmer. We have a whole new regime in here with Minnesota. Obviously, a lot of question marks about the play calling this year, how much it's going to look different. And James, I mean, under Mike Zimmer, we pretty much knew right away what we were going to get, right? I mean, it was pound Alvin Cook, pound Alvin Cook, pound Alvin Cook until he gets hurt, then pound Alexander Madison and Alexander (laughs) Madison. Like, with Zimmer gone, I know you already have your durability concerns with Cook like a lot of people do. But let's just assume that, okay, he has a mostly healthy season here. Even if that's the case, with Zimmer gone, how far down the board does Cook fall just based off the fact that we're probably not going to find a coach that wants to give Cook that type of volume again?
1: Yeah, he catches some passes too, though. I mean, Dalvin Cook to me is like – so last week when we talked about uh, Eckler and he was in that top tier of running back, that first group after JT's off the board, I think – and then we said, you know, Williams is in that next group. Well, I think when you get to this division, I think Dalvin Cook and maybe even Aaron Jones, who we just talked about, are in that next group after the top five or six running backs. And I don't have a problem taking Dalvin Cook there. Uh, the injury, The injury is there. He does get hurt but I don't have a problem taking, with, taking him as a late RB1, you know, kind of like, again, as I said with that first tier of running backs last week, let me just get who's left because I don't necessarily love him better than the next guy, but I still think he's going to get plenty of usage here. You just got to get Madison if you get Cook. I think it's still a must handcuff, even in a new coaching regime here.
0: Yeah, with Dalvin Cook, I mean, we do have to remember last year. I mean, he did have the shoulder injury. It was COVID too that cost him. And one of the things about these guys with COVID last year, James, everybody got impacted a little differently, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, even with just regular Joes like me and you, I mean, you see people, some people barely get sick, others that lingers for a while. So mm-hmm. we don't know how much for any of these players, how much that was a factor in, you know their comeback. But 13 contests, he still posted 1,159 rushing yards, 224 yards. of receiver, he found the end zone just six times though. And I think that was the problem uh, you know, as he returned and let's face it. I mean, if you're the Vikings, you need to keep him fresh. We've already hit on this before. And you got a guy like Madison. I think it's a natural, um, natural thing to just, okay, let's, let's not get the big workload up on here. Maybe he actually does stay a little healthy. Is Madison a guy that, you know, you're okay. targeting as like an RB4, even if you don't have cook,
1: yeah, because his upside still stays the same as a guy you would you'd you'd have to play if Cook got hurt. Um, I just think Cook owners are going to flock to him before uh, I'm ready to take him there. But but yes, I do think he's a valuable player. I think having handcuffs for guys that you don't have is fine. I think it's yeah. a good move.
0: I think the coaching change, the biggest impact with Kevin O'Connell coming in to the Minnesota Vikings is going to be in the passing game. And just even looking at some of the quotes uh, that. Uh, Justin Jefferson was saying just last week, I saw him and uh, quoting this one here. uh, It's 2022. You get into a new age and you move into a new generation. Jefferson said when asked about the team's new offensive system. And, and, you know, it's adding new things to the offense definitely allows us to be more comfortable in the offense, work in different areas of the field. I mean, James, I definitely loved Mike Zimmer, but he was a little bit past his time. And in the fact of his offensive philosophy, especially for a defensive coach here, Mm-hmm. Um, and when you got a player like Justin Jefferson, who by the way, I don't care what format you're in dynasty, season long, PPR, non PPR, whatever it is, he's my wide receiver. One mark it down, Mine Justin too. Jefferson is the dude, and uh, I think this coaching change, he's the big winner, and that's why I've ranked him as high as I have.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I could see Justin Jefferson being. Look, we, you want to talk about some of the, uh, the the injury risks that come along with playing running back. If I had the three or the four pick, as uh, as we've talked about here today and last week, too, I, I, I'd have no problem taking Justin Jefferson at number five. Um, who knows? By the time the season wears on, when we get to the heart of draft season, he might be as high as number two on my board. Um, so I'm right there with you. I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, he just, you know, whether it's Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup, he doesn't have... All will do respect to Adam Thielen. He doesn't have that other guy that I'm worried about taking volume away from him as much as those other fellas do. So where does Adam Thielen fall on your board then? He's down in wide receiver three territory for me at this point. Um, you know, he's, he's a player I'm happy to have as my third wide receiver, but I'm just not really interested in going as early uh, as certainly not as early as he was going in years past.
0: No doubt about that. That's a fair statement. But the thing is, is there's really nobody else there. I mean, K.J. Osborne, I like him as a sleeper, perhaps. I mean, late, I ended up with some best ball pieces of him as well. But, I mean, it was like my you know, last pick or two, right? I mean, Thielen, by default, even at the age and the history and the decline, you're, you're all those things are checking what you think. I mean, there's just nobody behind Justin Jefferson. So the targets are going to be there. We know he likes himself in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his current ADP and best balls and – I mean, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm with you in my thought of like, all right, this is where I'm ranking him, but wide receiver 32 is about where he's going. And I think James, given all the things I just said about who else is around him and what this new coach is going to want to do, it just really boils down to health. If if Adam Thielen only misses a few games, I think there's going to be a terrific ROI on that ADP and he could end up being that guy that, uh you know, becomes a, a weekly starter that is falling this far into the draft. You're grabbing him at that point. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of lot of real risk involved there. I, I think he's a, a player, especially in that format, that can deliver big results and consistent results, which is something we always strive for. Osborne, I mentioned him as a sleeper. Really nothing else in that passing uh, core of receivers. I know at tight end, Irv Smith was a guy that had a lot of stock last year. They haven't really done much to put anything around him either. So, could he become one of this year's post hype sleepers at that position?
1: Sure. I mean, he was very, uh, very highly regarded as kind of a back end tight end one going into last year. And then, as we see happen, injury strikes. And, um, you know, if he's fully healthy and ready to go, if there isn't anyone else in that passing game, you know, and, and I agree. Osborne's Osborne's a guy in deep leagues you take a flyer at. I mean, doesn't that just leave the door open for Smith, who now will be in what year four, year three of playing? But you know, kind of when tight ends really start to materialize into what their their best best self can be.
0: Yeah, I agree. The guy throwing all these players the football, Kirk Cousins. I mean, he has been a player that I know people like to get down on him, James. But you're in and year round. I mean, he's like the back of the football card, really. In terms of what he puts up, you can come to expect on it. Doesn't have the huge rushing floor you like last year, finishing his QB nine in fantasy points at least, and 4,221 yards, 561 attempts. That's pretty good in the Mike Zimmer offense. I love the 33 to 7 Q, uh, TD to interception ratio. And a new coach coming in that's going to give him a chance to actually have a little bit more action. So, Uh, I don't think he's a guy I want as my QB one, but I'll take him all day as my QB two. And I think uh, I think I think the fact that he's finished higher than that last year just shows you that you can get value that deep in
1: drafts at quarterback, too. I'm looking at last year's stat lines and I'm like, man, I had a lot of Kirk Cousins, you know, I was he was he was like the steal of the draft for me. And I'm like, you yeah, know, I had a lot of good teams that got knocked out of the playoffs early. Oh, look what he did against the Bears in week 15, which might have been week one of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah He threw for like his 80 yards. <laughs> but Kirk Cousins was very consistent last year, He's the back minus of that performance. Card. He's the yeah. back of the football card. You
0: go past the game logs and you just look at his four seasons in Minnesota. He's the kind of player you he, draft He's the
1: kind of player you draft is your back end QB1, and you pair him with a guy we're probably about to talk about next when we move on to the next team. And you pair his floor with the upside of somebody that's still yet to be determined.
0: Yeah. I mean, he played 15 games in one season, but he played 16 in three of his four seasons. And there's 16 game seasons. I mean, it's almost identical 4,200 passing yards, about 33 touchdowns. You know, he went from 10 to 13 to 10 to six picks, but. I mean, it is, you know what you're getting with Kirk cousins mm-hmm. and you're going to get it barring injury. That's mm-hmm. what I like about him. So let's roll along as we continue our NFC North preview here on the Fantastics insider football podcast. We've already broken down the Packers and the Vikings, James and I now taking a look at the bears six and 11 a year ago. And James, I mean, you talk about train wrecks. We saw one in Chicago and I mean, I know you do the golf podcast with Skeeter, so you probably hear his bear woes a lot there. But it's got to be happy that they're finally turning the page on some things there.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he is. We haven't talked as much about football yet. Um, we occasionally talk about uh, what we're doing in our best ball drafts. Of course, those BB10s we uh, kind of finished up at the end of May. So we haven't discussed as much, but we usually just talk about how good uh, the Bengals are and how bad my golf bets are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a lot to talk. I mean it probably takes a long time just to get through all that. I would imagine, but
1: uh, <laughs> I don't know which one you meant, but I'm just going to say okay.
0: I was talking about your golf bets. I ride.
1: know. I would. It's typical Dan. Where I knew you weren't being nice. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we got to get ready. <laughs> this
0: part of the podcast is getting ready for regular season form, and you know, that's what we're doing here. But uh, Justin Fields, a guy that I mean. I don't know, James. Uh, Obviously, the we all understand what the ceiling can look like. I think there is this level of uncertainty that we all have with the Bears. You're not paying a lot for him in drafts, but I'm looking at all these second-year quarterbacks, and honestly, I think you know if I'm looking for players to step forward, he's the guy I'm least confident in. I mean, Zach Wilson seems to have better weapons and surrounding pieces. I like Trey Lance's everything better. I mean, and then you know Trevor Lawrence just. Look like the number one guy coming out. So I'm looking at all these young guys that sort of struggled last year. I know I didn't talk about Mac Jones because he didn't really struggle. But Justin Fields, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure that it's going to work out for him in Chicago. part of it, I guess, is in my brain, whether I want
1: to admit it or not, it's because it's with the Bears and it never
0: works out at, at quarterback.
1: They have a long history of quarterback not being why they win. <clears throat> I'm, I'm willing to take Flyers on Fields, though, where he's his ADP. I'm looking at him and saying he has the upside if I'm in a league where we're taking two quarterbacks, right? And not necessarily super flex, although that's fine too as a QB two. But if we're talking about a a league where I'm going to draft a backup quarterback that I can sit on for a week or two or three, I'm interested in fields because I know what he can do with his legs. I know he's got a big rocket arm. Um, Does he have what it takes at the skill position as you alluded, Wilson has much better skill position players around him in New York at that second-year position. You might even make the same argument about uh, Trevor Lawrence. So does he have enough around him to make it click? We'll we'll see. I don't know if that answer is yes, but I certainly believe that he has that, that um, tantalizing upside between rushing and throwing.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at... You look at the, all the changes, and a young player, it's tough to go through changes, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's the thing that as much as you do want to see um, some some improvement and you know, there's a lot of optimism about some of these things, it's like it's starting all over, basically. And when you do that and you couple it with the just a terrible lack of weapons around him, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, nothing against Darnell Mooney. I, I do believe he's got a tremendous amount of upside. I've been a, a fan of his, but he's not a wide receiver one NFL wide receiver. One, he's not, I mean, at least not yet. And when you're wide receiver two is Byron Pringle. And then you got Velas Jones. I mean, Velas Jones, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Cause he's a rookie and I just don't know a lot about him. I, I know he's getting a little hype here. Cole come I mean, he's an upswing tight end, but I mean, the cards are stacked against Fields. A terrible offensive line, a new system, all these weapons. Uh, I mean, the Bears defense being on the decline is probably the best thing this he has going for him is potential garbage time production.
1: That is a very fine point. In fact, that's a couple of good points. Because I do like Mooney this year, um, but you're right. I mean, if Kansas City, who's now searching for a receiver, wasn't content with Pringle... Yeah, he couldn't get a, a, a ton done with Mahomes. Why would he get it done with Fields? Um, they brought in, you know, these the other St. Brown, ESB, Pettis, T- Tajay Sharp, all these names that we've once thought about as, as upside plays or potential breakout players that it never did happen for. And I'm not so sure that I love – all these guys around him but I still think he has the I still think he has the ability to tuck and run field so I like him it'll be interesting to see if any of these other guys besides Mooney emerge I think Mooney will get peppered with targets
0: where how high are you on him and where I mean what round are you ready to pull the trigger on the second year wide out
1: I can take a look at Mooney honestly I, I would take a look at him as we start to get to round four I'd rather not go there yet Um, probably not round four. I think that's a little bit of a reach, but I could take a peek at him by the time we get to round five, round six. I think if you, if you get him as wide receiver three back in wide receiver two, I think that's okay. I thought he showed a lot of good signs a rapport with fields last year. So I am excited about Mooney.
0: Yeah. And I I correct myself there that he's a third year receiver, two years in the league. Uh, and don't kid yourself. I, I like Mooney as well. Uh, I do. I don't know if he is, as I said, I don't view him as a, like a, Typical wide receiver one just yet for NFL purposes. And with nobody else besides the guys we mentioned to take the pressure off, I'm just concerned if he can, um, you know, demand and overcome the attention he's going to have essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then a lot of it will rely on fields. who did show some flashes, but the Cole Komet piece of the passing game is the one that I probably will end up with a little bit more uh, in terms of ownership percentage on my fantasy squads. Uh, I'm looking at Komet right now. I think he's a high-end tight end too, James. And um, I really see myself, not to say I won't get some of the top guys, but I really find that probably at least half my teams, I'll probably be in the more of the position to, you know, go wait on tight end, sort of boot tight end approach. And, and those, especially in those instances, he will be a target for me in those rounds because again, the things I mentioned, not a lot of other I think he's going to have a large target percentage share in his offense. I think it's going to be a lot of playing from behind. And I like the flashes I saw from him down the stretch, particularly uh, working with fields in the games they played together. So I like Cole Komet as a a decent tight end to target. I think he's a fringe top 15 guy, and that's about where his ADP is. What about this Bears running game? David Montgomery, our hometown kid here in Cincinnati, not a kid anymore, but uh, Mm -mm. has been a nice fantasy producer. Tariq Cohen, obviously not great what's happened to him. He's out of the picture with injuries. So it's Khalil Herbert. They did sign Darrington Evans there. I, I think Herbert's got a little bit of role in this offense, but is it enough to take away from Montgomery being the team's workhorse running back? And is Montgomery a guy? that uh, if he's one of your fantasy starting running backs, you feel pretty good about?
1: No, but I don't feel bad about him. Um, I'm not targeting Montgomery. You know I love the guy. Um, I just enjoyed covering him when he was in high school, and he's a very nice young man. That doesn't make him a great fantasy football player, and in this offense, if we don't see more growth, if we don't see this offense become a little bit more productive, I'm not excited about him. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points in this in this offense, um, so I don't know how much of uh, of a touchdown factor he's going to be. But I'm happy to plug him in. I, I, if he's my RB two in round four, I'm happy about it. If I have to, you know, if I have to take him earlier than that, I'm not. I'm certainly not as happy about it.
0: Fair enough. I don't mind pulling the trigger on him in uh, back end in round three, especially if a lot That's of running fine. backs are going off the board. Depending on the draft board and what falls to me there, uh, I definitely got Montgomery ranked higher than probably you do, based off of what you're saying. I, I, I definitely put him in my top twenty right there. Um, he's sort of out there, you know. I'm looking at the part of the draft where he's going. I like him. I like him probably better than Josh Jacobs.
1: Hmm.
0: Definitely like him. I think
1: they're the same.
0: Yeah, I like him better than Elijah Mitchell. Gets yeah. interesting when you start talking about Ezekiel Elliott. i I think I like Montgomery over Elliott. I do not. Yes. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is an interesting one. I mean, I
1: prefer the upsides of the Dobbins offers.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, these guys are all in that same spot. Antonio Gibson. I probably probably would take Gibson over him. Full PPR.
1: On, I like Gibson better.
0: Yeah. So it's just a sort of a mess down there when you get into that. I mean. You name a running back, I'll tell you a pro and I'll tell you a con. And I yep. mean, you can do that with first round running backs. You're certainly going to do it with fourth and third round running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, good takes, though. Good takes. Anything else on the Bears? No. Um, no, nah, I got nothing else for you. Let's finish it up then, James, with the last place team, the Lions. 3-13-1. And I know you watch this team, <laughs> a lot of this team early on there with your little bet had <laughs> way- going. Way
1: on. too much Lions interest in my life. <laughs> Reset that for the listeners, James. Take us down memory lane with that one. So it starts with, um, I had bet the Jaguars to be the last team to win. And if the Lions don't get beat, I think it was consecutive weeks, but the 66-yard field goal or whatever that Justin Tucker hit to beat them, if he doesn't make that field goal, the Jaguars would have been the last team to win. And I had a really nice number on them because the Lions were the favorite. I had like ten to one or fourteen to one on the Jags. Maybe it was eight to one, something like that. Decent number. So then the Lions ruin this. But then come come late season, I'm in Survivor. Uh, there's three teams left, me and two others, and there were over hundred entries. And I was told by most of my friends as I did a little group think pool, who should I take? Should I take Miami uh, to win? who was playing the Giants, and I believe they were at home, or should I take the Vikings who have the Lions? Well the Lions had not won yet. Everybody's like, take the Lions or take the Vikings, take the Vikings. So of course I did not. I took Miami. The other two teams did take the Vikings. The Vikings did not win. As I believe, I'm on Ross St. Brown catches a last-second touchdown. I had left the Bengals-Chargers game early because the Bengals were getting destroyed to go to a bar and watch this game downtown Cincinnati, and it was glorious. And I won Survivor, so the Lions, who ruined my silly little couple of hundred-dollar bet for uh, for the Jags to be the last team to lose or to win, they came through bigger for me when the season when it really mattered. You can't make this stuff up, people. James
0: <laughs> is a true degenerate. A true that's degenerate. a fact. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we get along, my
1: friend. It's true. Uh,
0: all right. So <laughs> let's talk about this year's line since you took us down memory trip lane. And I think we could both agree, James, uh, lots of improvement here. And first of all, I will say, and I know this is seems sort of silly when people say this type of stuff, but they were one of the best three win teams I ever watched. I mean, they mm-hmm. were in every game. They had resiliency. They had heart. I like what Dan Campbell's doing there. I like the direction the team's going. And from a fantasy standpoint, I like what they've done this off season to add some more weapons here. Now, granted, Problem is, Jared Goff's still your quarterback. And I think that does put a little bit of a ceiling on these things. But going back to some of the other things we talked about in this division, you know, the defense is a little shaky. So, you know, they could be playing from behind a lot, which leads to some of those opportunities. But I think this whole offense, from a fantasy perspective, the single most exciting player to talk about it undoubtedly for me is DeAndre Swift. And I'm really expecting big things out of this young running back. If he stays healthy, I mean, The injury sort of derailed him last year, and it was disappointing to see because he was just starting to get into his groove. He stays healthy this year, James. I think this is a guy, and I don't want to get too bold too early, but when we go to do our bold predictions, I might be uh, cementing this in a little bit, but I think he's got top
1: five upside at running back. I don't think there's – that's not even bold to me. Uh, He's a top ten running back on my list right now. Um, I mean, I can make the case that he's ahead of Javante Williams because Melvin Gordon re-signed there. I know that other people would tell me I'm insane, but DeAndre Swift, I mean, I know they added receiver and well, we'll talk about it a little bit, really, they added two free agency and a rookie, but Swift catches the ball a little bit. I mean, he can run the football. He's an electric player. And like you said, they're gonna be playing from behind. I mean, he's going to get some dump off. So will the other running back, but I think Swift has every opportunity to put up massive fantasy points. He's going to have to find the end zone some, but I mean, even if he's not a 12, 15 touchdown guy, I still think he has that same top five upside with pass, you know, in PPR leagues and volume if he stays on the field.
0: Yeah. And I mean, behind him, Jamal Williams was very disappointing last year. I know we saw Craig Reynolds come in and they're going to try to keep him fresh. So those guys will get worked in the mix, but. If they want to win, Swift is the guy. Like Mm -hmm. This isn't, unlike some of these other situations we've been talking about, this is not the 60-40 split scenario. With Dalvin Cook and the things we talked about with the Vikings transitions, I think Swift, if healthy, is going to lead potentially all of this division running backs and carries.
1: I don't have a problem with that. I do like Jamal Williams probably more than you do. He did come down with uh, coronavirus during – Uh, one of the games that he would have been a featured play. And he still has value, but I just, I just
0: just don't think that like, you know, it's as big of a split as some of these other situations. That's
1: true. It's, it's Swift by, by a large margin, but I do think like Williams, I'm getting in round 10 or so. I mean, he's been an RB five in a lot of drafts where these best balls where I'm like, you know what? He's still Jamal Williams. I mean, he's still a solid ADP
0: RB 54. I don't have a problem looking at Jamal Williams. and, And when you get into that range by any measure, uh, but yeah, you definitely like him a little more than me in terms of That's the okay. passing game. I think, you know, we know Swift's going to be involved, maybe even Williams there too, but I mean, Jared cough does has a, a slew of weapons last year. We were looking at one of the more, you know, handcuffed receiving cores in all football. Yeah. And we saw Monroe St. Brown emerge. A lot of that was because of nobody else to throw the football to, excuse me. Uh, I know Josh Reynolds also, uh, had some games there. They obviously drafted Jamison Williams the highly touted Alabama Crimson Tide receiver, who who obviously in the national championship game suffered the ACL injury. So we could be without him for at least six weeks. Many expect him to start the season on the pup list. They did shine DJ Shark, still just 25 years old, coming off an injury of his own, but he got hurt a lot earlier than Williams done. So he's already ready to go. And I think both Williams and Shark, uh, I mean, these guys have the ability to get deep and spread the field and that's, I mean, Monroe St. Brown, James. I mean, here was a guy that was a fantasy hero down the stretch, but you do have to temper your expectations a bit because he was the lone duck in town now. And regardless, if you don't know if Williams and how much he's going to play or shark, obviously TJ Hawkinson, we'll get to him in a minute, but he continues to merge. He was hurt last year during much of that uh, St. Brown run. Like, I just don't see the, the target percentage being what it was there. So I still like St. Brown as a guy to look at, but, I think some are overdrafting him, thinking that that target share is going to be what it was a year ago.
1: I mean, I don't have a problem with him being a wide receiver two on my team. Now, he's not going to be an early wide receiver two. He's much closer to 20 than 10, uh, but I still think he's the wide receiver one on this team. So I probably like him a little bit more than you do as well. Obviously, the addition of DJ Chark was a bit of a ding to his value, but they were going to add receiver. At the end, I mean, St. Brown got to 900 yards, 120. Twenty targets is 119 he caught 90 balls like he catches what's thrown to him i just i i think that this player i think st brown is the better of the brothers and i think he's going to be a big focus to this offense again and i think he's going to get peppered with passes when they're down so yeah. I, I like him still i think he's a back-end wide receiver too for me okay so you do have him a little higher his wide receiver 1980p
0: so people the public is with you yeah. my friend uh to me i won't draft him as a wide receiver too i yeah. haven't really landed on it but uh I think he'll be hard pressed to crack my top twenty-five, which means I'm gonna be without him in many cases. Mm-hmm. Let's get into uh TJ Hawkinson. I mentioned him before. I guess before we do that, I mean, for redraft purposes, where are you looking at Shark and Williams?
1: Williams, I'm really not looking at redraft. I'm very high on him in Dynasty. So I just feel like there's my shares and I don't have to mess with it. So I've already got a couple uh Williams shares in Dynasty. I mean, if you have a if you have, like, a deep bench that you can sit on him, then I don't have a problem taking a flyer on him later in drafts, wide receiver five, and waiting it out. But, I mean, come draft day, I think we're all going to be expecting him to maybe be on the early season pup list, uh, a rookie that's not only rehabbing but trying to learn a new offense. Like, as much as I like the future for him, I don't necessarily get excited about him this year. And I think that's probably part of the reason why I like St. Brown's uh, more than 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 you do. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not going to have Williams in too many season-long teams. Uh, Shark, a guy that, I mean, if you can have him as a bench receiver, I- I'm willing to take a chance with his ceiling. To me, it's Hawkinson outside of Amon Ross St. Brown that's actually yeah. fantasy starter worthy. And tight ends a little deeper than it was. We talk about the t- Kelsey maybe taking a dip a little bit, as we've discussed in previous podcasts. And, uh, you know, as we look at the tight end landscape, I, I still think I'm hard-pressed not to put Hawkinson as in the top, you know, six or seven there, you know, which definitely locks him in as a, a front half tight end one.
1: Tight end five for me. I mean, last week when we talked about the AFC West, and you said that you had Waller had of Kittle, and I was like, oh, yeah, let me tell you something. I, I got uh, Hawkinson ahead of Kittle, too. I, I just don't know about Kittle's rolling that offense week to week. Yeah. I know we're not on that division yet, but it'll well, probably it it stay bit. healthy. But Hawkinson. On top of that, yes.
0: Hawkinson's had some durability
1: issues of his own early in his NFL career. That's true. Uh, You know what? And we've seen who's the greatest tight end ever. He had some durability issues too. So, I mean, it's a tough position. Sure. And I know Kelsey does play every game practically. So, maybe a reason to keep him up at that top spot. But I like Hawkinson tight end five. um, But I just, I could be honest with you, the guys that I like at six, seven, eight, don't make me reach for Hawkinson all that much. I get
0: it. I definitely get that, and I think when you you know you look at tight ends in general, I mean that's what you have to keep in mind. But you're talking about a four or five round difference from Hawkinson to Kelsey, Hawkinson to Andrews. So if you want to address the other positions and then get a guy with Hawkinson, you hope he stays he- healthy and hits that ceiling finally. So mm-hmm. I think people are a little hard on golf. I, I don't want him necessarily as my fantasy so. quarterback, but I mean. He's capable enough of getting these other players around him fantasy relevant.
1: If you're in a super flex league, I don't mind him. It's his job. I mean, maybe this Lions team is, and I'm not talking about your QB1, but your QB2. Yeah, This job's his. He's going to play every week. I think maybe they're like looking forward to maybe taking a a stab at a bad season again and getting a quarterback next year in the draft. But, I mean, Jared Goff did take a team to the Super Bowl, right? And when his pocket's clean, his numbers
0: are solid, dude. I mean, you look at, like, his peripheral. I mean, everything goes across the board with a clean pocket. I mean, I mean every quarterback could be like that. But Goff has shown uh, near elite stats at periods uh, during his career when having a clean pocket. And what do we know about the
1: Lions? They've really focused on this offensive line these past couple of years. They most assuredly did. So I'm with you. I think golf takes too much grief because he's not a look. There's only a couple a handful of guys that are absolute superstars. The Tom Brady's the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Golf was not that. And he was drafted as such with the number one overall pick. But I think he can still lead an NFL offense without a problem. I just don't know that he's ever going to lead a team to a Super Bowl. He was really carried by a, a good defense when he did go to the Super Bowl. All right, James. Um, we're both team. taking
0: a hundred bucks each one of these preview broadcasts and we're betting on the division winners with the odds involved you took plus 600 last week with the raiders to my plus 240 with the chargers the same hundred we got to bet this week this division doesn't have his <laughs> seemingly as many contenders to me so the packers a heavy favorite here minus 177 and in fact james it's interesting because they're one of only uh three Division or four, four, only four of the divisions and all out of the eight have a the favorite where they're minus money and only one, a heavier favorite than the Packers to win the North. Uh, actually, there's two if I look at that correctly now, but either way, minus 177 for the Packers, plus 260 for the Vikings, the Bears and Lions, both at plus 1100 here. How are you wagering this hundred dollars from your bankroll to, uh, Look at this. I know you like the big odds, but are you willing to throw
1: that hundred away on the bears and lions and cross your fingers? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't know if you could even make me. I don't know if you could get me to argue the Vikings here. As much as I don't like doing it, I'm going to have to find another seven hundred seventy-seven dollars because I'm going to have to throw one hundred and seventy-seven down to win a hundred on the Packers. I can't go any other direction. Yeah,
0: I know. That's sort of how I'm thinking too. It's like. If you were, and neither of us would probably really make this bet in real life, nah. but if we were forced to pick division winners and you wanted to try to pick the division winners of all eight divisions and, you know, you had this bankroll we're throwing out here, the Packers would definitely be one of the divisions, one of the two or three, where I would certainly take them as, the, I can't imagine, I mean, even in the uh, NFC South, I mean, where the Bucks are a big favorite and rightfully so, I mean, I'm a little more intrigued by the Saints at plus 375
1: me too that'll be a fun division to talk about uh, but
0: future. you know i just i don't know the vikings could get there but i think i think it's hard to go against the packers even with the crappy odds so we'll finish Not- that up be sure to subscribe to the podcast you can get it wherever you listen apple podcast spotify and uh google to name a few anytime insiderfootball.com of course follow james on twitter at jamesadams94 me at dan Claskins. And the website at Fantastics. We'll be back on SiriusXM Fantasy here in a couple weeks. Weekend mornings, getting you ready all season long, and keep up with us here on the pod throughout the year as well. James, any final thoughts here on this NFC North? Who day?
1: Oh, wrong North, wrong North. My bad. <laughs>
0: we'll get there soon enough.
1: Yes. No, I really don't. I think we hit them all.
0: Yeah, it's uh, going to be a. Pretty interesting division, at least in terms of NFL draft order and who will pick higher: the Bears or
1: the Lions. <laughs> That's correct. I think,
0: I think the Bears could. I think the Bears could be a top three pick again next year. But you know, they, last time they were that high, they got Mitch Trubisky, so it could work out. You never know. <laughs> for James Adams, I'm Dan Claskins. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.